Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, March 30th, 526 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. May corn futures up two and three quarters at 653 and a quarter. May soybeans up one and a half at 1478 and three quarters. May Chicago wheat up a half cent at 705 and a quarter. May Kansas City wheat up four at 874 and a half. May spring wheat down a half cent at 877 and a half. We're going to start off with this Russian grain news again this morning. Viterra is going to join Cargill in exiting the Russian export market. So essentially just hours after Cargill announced yesterday that it would stop exporting Russian grain, Viterra announced that they would be following suit. Viterra and Cargill both rank in the top six in terms of exporters of Russian wheat, uh, or at least they did during the first half of the season. These two companies are also the two biggest Western shippers of Russian grain. Viterra is Canadian, uh, but they're backed by Swiss company Glencore. Viterra will be leaving Russia at the end of the growing season, but plans to continue shipping grain until then. Reports indicate that Russia has been pushing foreign commercial grain companies to leave the country and that some or all export facilities could be nationalized. That's the the talk anyways. For the moment, it appears that Russia will be restaffing existing Cargill and Viterra facilities and that exports won't be disrupted. So yesterday, this was a big story. And I think this was the reason initially why the wheat market rallied sharply uh, early in yesterday's session. We saw these headlines. We didn't really see the details. Uh, when we saw later in the day that Russia is going to restaff this stuff and that exports wouldn't be disrupted, that's when the wheat market kind of backed off. You know, we ended up finishing the day near unchanged. But all of these stories regarding Russia and grain, I mean, Russia wants to nationalize export facilities. Russia's talking price floors. Last week, it was Russia might halt grain exports. This is all of concern, and it all provides some uncertainty because uh, Russia is such a big wheat exporter. They're the biggest wheat exporter on the planet. They're projected to account for 25% of all global wheat exports. Um, this was the Russia story from yesterday. So this is kind of a, a fluid situation. I'm not sure exactly which way it goes, but this is uh, without a doubt been a market mover this week. Uh, we do have a USDA report tomorrow. This is the annual prospective plantings report. Uh, grain stocks, uh, which is a quarterly report, will be released simultaneously. Um, you guys have seen the average trade guesses by now. I'll say this about the report. The trade has a history of missing both the acreage and stocks numbers by substantial margins. There's almost always some sort of surprise here. Uh, and make no mistake about this, the grain stocks numbers have the ability to move the markets just as much, if not more more so than the acreage numbers. Uh, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net joined me in yesterday's premium video. We talked about the acreage situation ahead of the report. He said this, and, and I've heard this said many times, and I believe it to be true. Farmers look at the acreage numbers. Traders look at the stocks numbers. Uh, think about the stocks numbers. That's past data. It's it's real data. The acreage numbers are just smoke and mirrors, essentially. I mean, it's a survey-based deal. The uh, final acreage numbers in the United States very rarely are the same or even remotely the same as the March 31st numbers. So uh, there's some truth to that. If you guys are interested in the premium deal, we discussed this whole situation at length yesterday. Go to standardgrain.com. Sign up today. It's 50 bucks a month. You can cancel at any time. I'll send you all my premium stuff, videos, uh, morning email. You can cancel at any time. There's no other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. I promise. 
USDA reported another flash sale of old crop U.S. corn to China yesterday, another 204,000. That's about 8 million bushels uh, for delivery during the current marketing year. This is, I believe, the 10th flash sale of old crop corn to China since March 14th. The grand total, just over 3 million metric tons, about 122 million bushels. Prior to this Chinese buying spree, the woes of the U.S. export program had been well documented. I talked about it all the time here about how the pace of sales and shipments just not where we need to be. Now, given this this Chinese buying spree, it appears as if U.S. corn exports could very well meet or even exceed current USDA projections. Of course, this assumes that China will take delivery of everything that it's purchased. And that's always a question mark, I suppose. Taiwan's president visits the U.S. this week for the first time in more than three years. Uh, president Tsai Ing-wen, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, arrived in New York yesterday despite threats from China that the U.S.-Taiwan relationship could provoke retaliation. So China, of course, not happy about this. They're never happy about anything the way it seems. Uh, this is not considered an official visit and is considered a transit stop, as is U.S. policy in regard to China and Taiwan. Uh, the president will not be meeting with any senior members of the Biden administration. China, of course, considers Taiwan to be part of its territory. They believe that any interaction between uh, Taiwan leaders and U.S. authorities violates diplomatic agreements. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said this, the trip is not so much a transit, but an attempt to seek breakthroughs and propagate Taiwan independence. The issue is not about China overreacting, but the U.S. egregiously conniving at and supporting Taiwan independence separatists. So China's always got some uh, rough uh, language here or tough talk when it comes to Taiwan and U.S. and that relationship. U.S. ethanol production increased slightly last week. Weekly output 1.003 million barrels per day. That was up fractionally on the week, down about 3% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks uh, were off 2.5% on the week, down 3.8% versus the same week last year. Um, we're still, I think, the second highest level on record seasonally for ethanol stocks, but they did come down quite a bit. Implied U.S. Uh, gasoline demand was up sharply on the week, but on average over the last month or so, we're only fractionally high than we were of the same week last year or the same month last year when it comes to those gasoline numbers you've got to look at like the four-week rolling average the weekly stuff is just really really glitchy grain inspectors in argentina will go on strike today uh, they're not happy with their pay given argentina's rampant inflation uh, strikes of this nature in south america whether it's the brazilian truckers or grain unions or whoever or in this case argentina grain inspectors it seems like this happens every single year it, it very rarely has an impact on the market. I'd imagine that this is resolved quickly, although I guess uh, never say never. We've got an export sales report this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Corn sales for the current marketing year expected 600 to 1.8 million. Soybeans sales expected 100,000 to 250. Wheat sales uh, expected 125 to 300. Cattle market was higher yesterday. Uh, feeder cattle mostly higher. Not any cash trade established yet this week. The way the bids and offers lining up, we should be unchanged and maybe slightly better versus last week. Outside markets, fairly quiet. U.S. dollars off just a little bit. The S&P's up 18. Dow Jones up 160. Gold's up three bucks. Crude oil up 72 cents. And the May WTI 73.69 last trade. Everybody have a great day today. I'll talk to you Friday.